0: Thank you so much for listening to this message from God's Word. At Bahuska's First Baptist Church, we believe the Bible is God's Holy Word and the key to knowing Him in a real and personal way. We hope this message brings you closer to Jesus and is an encouragement to your life. Well, church, are you ready to dig into God's Word with me this morning? All right. If you would, go ahead and open up your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 7. <laughs> Yes, and we will be in verse 13, and uh, we will be finishing out our series that we've been working on for quite some time as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we are going to finish up today with looking at things Jesus said about my destiny. Um, Now, as we complete and wrap this up, I hope you have noticed an overall theme to the Sermon on the Mount that Christ is calling his followers to elevate their devotion above that of the worldly standard and to rest firmly in Him and seek Him. And and so as we continue to unpack and unfold what Jesus is teaching here, that theme is going to come alive even more so. So I want to invite you as we get ready to dig into God's Word, if you would, in honor of His Word, stand with me. And we're going to begin reading in verse 13 and conclude with verse 27. This is what the word of our Lord says. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray together. Lord, as we open your word this morning, Father, may we continue in our worship of reverence for you. Lord, may you speak to our hearts, and Father, may you peel back any distractions that we have brought in with us, and let us just focus on you this morning, and may your text speak for itself into our hearts. Father, this morning, I pray that you would challenge us where we are, and and Father, give us the wisdom and discernment as we look at your word, and we lift this up in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, church. You may have a seat. Well, as we begin to look here, some of you may have noticed that we started out with a passage we ended with last week, and uh, that was not by accident, that was intentional because as we continue to walk into looking at things Jesus says, it is very applicable for what we're doing today, especially as we're talking about what Jesus says about my destiny See, I want you to understand this morning that Jesus is clearly communicating the impact of what it means to truly be his disciple. And when someone follows Jesus for real, then there's some inevitable, undeniable changes that will take place in the life of that person. And Jesus is straightforward to say, listen, it is not an easy road to hold. In fact, when you begin to study the passage there of the narrow gate and the different paths, uh, the idea is carried forth that the wide road or the wide gate is roomy and, and you can do kind of whatever you want, you've got the space to do it, but, but following the ways of God is more narrow, it is more difficult, it is not a life that you can live willy-nilly. It is a life that has that set a certain standard and that's what Jesus is talking about. And as he is describing what these things are and how these things look when they're carried out in a person's life, number one, this morning, we see that a true disciple is destined to bear good fruit. A disciple is destined to bear good fruit. When one follows Christ, they live a life that is disciplined. It is, it is a life that is, is conforming to the ways of God, and therefore it must be a disciplined life, especially in the broken and messed up world that we all live in. Um, I, I want us to understand clearly here that as Jesus talking, he, he's giving this, this idea that the one who truly gives their life to Jesus has to take on his designed and desired lifestyle. It becomes all about him and not about me. See, selfishness and self-righteousness and self-centeredness is what moves us away from God because selfishness says, listen, I can do life better than what God has set up. It brings us to the place where we ourselves become God. It's a form of self-idolatry. And so when we turn and become disciples of Jesus, we do an about-face, we repent, and we follow him. And we begin to live in the standard that he has set for us. It is quite the opposite of what popularized American religion tells us. See, religion simply gives the false notion that we can just go about living life however we see fit as long as we participate in some kind of religious activity and give Jesus a nice hearty shout out every once in a while religion, Americanized popular religion says you just kind of go through the motions, but really you continue to do life your own way. And Jesus, as he's shown us time and time again throughout the Sermon on the Mount, is saying, no, doing life your own way is what separated you from God in the first place. I've come to give you a life to give you abundant life, a life that is lived within the design and the desire of which we were created in the first place. Real discipleship is disciplined, and it revolves around a transformation in one's heart. It's not just giving a shout out to Jesus. It's about your entire life bearing his name. And church, I want you to know this morning that, that as we, we follow Jesus, the transformation is not merely outward in our actions, but it is an inward change that changes the very core of who we are. Look, look what Jesus says as he's speaking. He says, beware of, this is verse 15, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves you will recognize them by their fruits." Now, I want us to understand here that when Jesus is making this declaration, he's talking about and addressing false prophets. False prophets are teachers and instructors on how you can follow God, but but while they look like they're good on the outside, inwardly they're really promoting a false gospel. Um, This is very evident, as I've already talked about, in our American society and our American culture, when everybody wants to give you a feel-good message to make you feel great about yourself while they themselves uh, just continue to live life whatever benefits them the most. If you look around, it's very easy to find wolves who are in sheep's clothing. And I, I want us to understand that while Jesus is wanting us to be aware of false prophets or false teachers, the instruction that he gives regarding them is applicable to us and in our lives. The principles that Jesus gives, they're valid for anyone who would seek to follow him. In fact, if I, I put a parenthesis in your notes there to turn to John 15, and I want to challenge you this week to flip over there and look at that. I want to challenge you this week in your devotion time or time to get away to open up John chapter 15 and read verses 1 through 11. Look at what Jesus has to say about him being the true vine and and, and what it means to be grafted into him and what that will look like in the bearing fruit of our lives. It, It mirrors exactly what he says here in, in Matthew chapter seven, because he begins to talk about how do you know if, if we are, are false, uh, if there's a false prophet or if we are false disciples, we'll just look at the fruit. The, the inward nature of what's happening, the truth claims that people are making, see how it plays out in their lives. You, you know, no one can claim a truth about God's word and try to say this is what is virtuous when they're practicing vices that say the opposite. And in fact, we have a saying that identifies with this as it's, it's pretty easy to talk the talk. It's a whole other thing to walk the walk. And you and I need to be a people who walk according to faith, who walk according to the word of God. We can talk about following God all we want to, but unless our lives actually follow him, our words are empty. In fact, there is a term for this that we find in scripture, and it is the word hypocrisy. You know, there's a lot of folks that you go and talk to about coming to church, and and I've heard it even in the last years. I've visited with folks around town, and and they say, ah, you know, any of those churches are just full of hypocrites. And I want to stop, and I want to say, do you you even know what the word hypocrite means? I said, here, let, let me give you a distinction. I said, yes, there are hypocrites in churches. In fact, if I'm being honest, there are times that I myself have been hypocritical. But, but here's, here's what the word hypocrite means. The word hypocrite means you bear a mask. It, it's actually a theatrical term. It's the idea that you put on a mask to be something that you're not, when behind the mask, you're really something different. Can I tell you that there's really not as many hypocrites in churches as what people think? There are some, but there's not as many as what people think. Let me tell you what there really is, though is there are a lot of people who in their heart want to bear good fruit for God and they're being transformed. But we're a broken and a messed up people. And sometimes messed up and broken people do messed up and broken things. But let me tell you that the true follower of Jesus Christ lives a life of grace. And what that means is we don't bear the name of Jesus to go do whatever we want, but when we mess up, we fall to our knees, we cry out, say, Lord, have mercy on me. And he looks at us and says, listen, I've already got you covered by my cross. I've got you covered by my blood. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pick, I'm gonna pick you up, I'm gonna dust you off, and we're gonna keep walking this journey together. If you mess up in your faith, that does not make you a hypocrite as long as you get up and keep walking with him. But if you start looking at the fruit in your life and you realize there's no fruit to show or the fruit that's there is self-centered and rotten, that, that's the kind of thing that, that Jesus is, is making us aware of. We, we cannot try to promote the virtues of God if our life is all wrapped up in the vices of the world. Our words are empty if that's what we do. So let me ask you this question this morning. Look into your own life. Look into your own heart. And when you look at your life, what fruit are you bearing? And what is the source of that fruit? What is the product of your life? And what drives your life in that direction? And this morning, if you ask yourself that question, and it's hard for you to answer, then maybe the Spirit's trying to get your attention this morning. But when we look at Scripture, we find that anyone who is going to legitimately follow Jesus is destined to bear good fruit. Now, you may say, Justin, what is that fruit? And I I tell you, it's actually a a whole other message that we will do for another, uh, we'll save it for another time. But a good starting place is going to Galatians chapter 5 and looking at the fruit of the Spirit. It says this, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's amazing that self-control is in there, especially when we're looking at the context of the scripture we have about a disciple being a dis, living a disciplined life. And so begin to mirror those things. Well, you say, well, well Justin, what does bad fruit look like? Well, jump up a few verses in Galatians. There's a whole list of impurity, sexual immoralities, covetousness, greed, and the list goes on and on. So, so look at your own heart. Look at the things in your life. What fruit are you bearing and what is the source of that fruit? But let me tell you this morning, not only are we destined to bear good fruit, but number two this morning, we are destined to be genuine. We are destined to be genuine. You know, there's a lot of people who can do a lot of things for the wrong reasons, Um, In fact, when we began to look at the uh, Beatitudes, we came to a spot in Matthew chapter five where Jesus says, don't be like the Pharisees because they do this, 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 and this, and they get their reward because it's really not for God, it's all for show. Well, he continues to evaluate and look at that. Look with me in verse 21. For no one, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Now Jesus is building off of this idea and this concept of making sure that your walk matches your talk because here is an example that he gives and says, listen, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who can say the word Lord, but if their lives do not declare me to be Lord, then they're in trouble. Church, I want you to understand this morning That it is not about religion; it is about relationship with Him. And one of the greatest tragedies in cheap religion is that it revolves around a mere profession of faith, instead of realizing that 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 faith through repentance and discipleship. Uh, Let me let me put it this way. There are so many times throughout the years that I've talked to youth, I've talked to adults and, and just began to open the word of God and they say, well, I'm not really sure that I'm saved. And the, and, and the bad part is, is the trained response to that is, well, has there ever been a time where you've asked the Lord to come into your heart and be your, your personal Lord and Savior? I don't think that is the biblical response to that question, I think the biblical response to that question is, well, let's look at your life. Do you want Jesus to be Lord? Listen, a person can pray a prayer all they want to, but if they haven't actually given their life to Jesus, all they're doing is talking without walking. You and I need to understand that in order for us to be genuine Christ followers, and I underline this in my Bible, it says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And church, listen to me very carefully. If you don't even have the desire to do the will of God, if you don't even have the desire to truly follow Him, then you need to be doing a gut check and a heart check. There's a vast difference between someone who is striving to follow God, who is wanting to follow God, and and tripping over themselves, versus someone who says, I just want to talk about Jesus, but I don't really care about anything. You and I need to be a people whose lives are marked by discipleship, whose lives are grounded in following him. Listen, the mark of a true disciple and therefore one who is truly saved is not that you've prayed a prayer, but that your life is surrendered. Surrendered if your life is not surrendered to him, if you don't even have the inkling of the desire for your life to be surrendered to Christ, then there is no scriptural evidence that you are truly saved. And you stand in danger of being one of these that the Lord says, will come and say, Lord, but he says, depart from me for I don't even know you. And look, these people do some pretty grand things. He says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not talk about the scripture? Did we not even cast out demons in your name? And do all of these mighty works. He's just going to declare to them simply, I don't know you. Be gone with you, you workers of lawlessness. or you evil doers? church, I need you to understand this morning that invoking the power of Jesus' name and surrendering to the power of Jesus' names are two different things. Jesus, as he gives this example, there are a lot of good things that he's talking about. There's an outside appearance of being very godly, yet the appearance of of godly things is no substitute for a genuine relationship with Jesus. And just as Jesus is warning us about false prophets in 15 through 20, he's warning us about false disciples in 21 through 23. Do you understand that the word disciple gives its meaning of one who is following a master? In fact, the the word carries with us this mental image of one who wears the dust of his master. What it means is that a person is following so closely to their master that as he is walking and kicking up dirt, it's landing on you. It's a a picture of being close to him. And, And listen, you and I are destined to be genuine if we are truly his, You and I are destined not not to be as one who goes through the motions, but as one who is being transformed. And and listen, I'll I'll tell you, um, I have been a Jesus follower since I was nine years old. Now, trust me, at the age of nine, I did not fully understand what that meant, but I knew enough to know that I wanted to follow Jesus because of how great he was and how much he loved me and that he would even give himself on the cross for me to pay for my personal sin. And and, and I did not know as a nine-year-old what all that would entail, but I tell you, I have never, ever regretted it. As I've grown and I've got to know more and more and more, never once have I went, you know, I just don't know if this is all worth it. As it becomes more and more about following Him, as the transformation is taking place in my life, the hungrier I get for it. The more I want to be transformed by Christ. The more I want to be genuine, and even in in the smallest details, listen, the struggles that I had, years ago are not the same struggles i have today but i assure you there are still struggles in a battle to be godly instead of living for self but each and every day as i face that struggle the lord just simply whispers to me come on i've got you we're doing this together and i just fall and rest in him and rejoice in him. So let me ask you this morning, what is your drive for Jesus? Do you have an ongoing personal relationship with Him, or are you just depending on a prayer from where your perspective, you just think, you know, years ago I got things settled up with Him, so I'm good. I've heard that in the last year as well, visiting with folks about the gospel. Asking people, do you know Jesus? Well, I tell you, I'm just going to share with you word for word one of the responses I got. Well, let me tell you, me and the man, we're good. I, I prayed to him. In fact, we pray. All, I pray to him all the time, and him and I are good. Well, that that's fantastic. So what church are you attending? Oh, I don't go to church. Well, let me ask you, what's God doing in your life? Well, we had prayer time this morning. I'll be honest with you, there is no scriptural foundation for where that is a disciple of Christ. None. That's signs of religion. But there is no sign there of relationship. Even a prayer every morning. Even if if you pray before mealtime, God is great, God is good, Lord we thank Him for His food. By His hands we are fed, thank you for our daily bread. Amen, Brother Ben, open your mouth and cram it in. Wait, that's listen, ritualistic prayers does not bring a relationship with Christ. I was visiting with a gentleman just a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how him and Jesus were good. And so I asked him, I said, uh, I said, well, what have you been reading in your Bible lately? Oh, I don't know. I probably need to dust that thing off. Guys, don't buy into the lie that you can be genuine in your faith without having a relationship with Christ. As, As we close out here, Jesus is telling us we are destined to bear good fruit if we are truly his disciple. We are destined to be genuine. And number three, we are destined to be wise. We are destined to be Wise. Look what Jesus says in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice or does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Listen, previously Jesus warned against actions with no substance. Here he is declaring that if you take his word to heart, which means hear these words, then your substance will lead to action. You cannot be in an ongoing relationship with Christ and take in all of the Bible but not apply it. You cannot grow in your knowledge but yet not let it have an impact in your life. There are people who deny God to the very extreme of saying he doesn't even exist who know this better than most Christians. Knowledge is never a substitute for relationship. However, that does not give us an excuse not to seek the word and grow in our knowledge. But as we grow, we must apply it. You know, this uh, last Wednesday, we were doing our our study on... um, Spiritual gifts, and and one of the things the the gentleman that's leading the study, Chip Ingram, uh, from Living on the Edge Ministries, is he's talking about spiritual gifts. He he gives this great illustration that I think is very applicable to what we're talking about here. He says, you know, there are books and books and books about swimming. Teaches you how to swim. This is this is this is what uh, you know. This stroke, and here's how you do this, and here's the backstroke and the breaststroke, and you can do all these things. And, and And listen, there's instructional videos on YouTube. You can go, and they'll show you how to doggy paddle and do all kinds of different swimming maneuvers. But until you go jump in the water, you will never learn how to swim. You and I. We listen to all the podcasts, sermons, read all the books we want to about scriptural things, but until we put them into practice, we are not wise. We must be a people who, who are not simply idle in the growth of the things of Jesus, but we must be one who is living out our faith. We must be the one who is applying what we have learned. True blessings and growth come from living out the truths of Jesus, no matter the culture. You know, I I love the parallel that Jesus gives here of two houses, one built on a solid foundation, the other one built on sifting sand. And as as, as the, 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 the shifting sand is hit with the wind and the waves, it gives way and the whole structure crashes. I want you to understand that the mark of discipleship, it will be shown within the context of the culture of which we live because the culture of which we live is a raging storm against Christians. The culture of which we live is is a raging storm and the wise and the true disciple will establish their life on the solid foundation of a relationship with Jesus through God's word and will stand firm no matter what turbulence the culture brings. But the foolish and the false believer, they will establish their life on the shifting sands of the worldly culture and they will seek to make the Bible conform to what they believe. And when the turbulence from trials and tribulations come, they will collapse in their deception and they will suffer significant ruin. There are many friends that I have. Some are Baptists, some are other denominations, but they all want to claim the title of Christian. And as I see different posts and different things that they agree with on social media, as I talk to many of them in public, there is a sharp distinction between those who are grounded in the word and those who wish to manipulate the word. Can I tell you that scriptural truth is not dependent on whether you and I agree with it or not. Scriptural truth is a solid foundation that is true regardless of if one acknowledges it as true or not. That's the nature of truth. And you and I must build our lives around God's word rather than trying to make God's word fit into our lives. Jesus says here that those who who try to build their, their life on anything other than the solid foundation of Jesus and His Word are just setting themselves up for failure. And I, think, I thought about this. You know, Jesus is using this as a parable, but it's a parable that the people could relate with. And I just thought, can you imagine all of the hard work and the effort and the sweat that it goes in to building a life on sand? It's the same kind of effort that goes in, uh, disciplines that go into building our lives on the scriptural foundation. The difference is, it's not about how much work you put in. It's not about how quality design you have of your house if the foundation is not solid. I, I look around and, and you know, Ashley and I all the time or, or, or just look at our society and our culture and we're going, I, I don't understand how somebody who doesn't have a faith in Jesus Christ makes it in this world. And the reality is, there's a lot of people that do. There's a lot of people who make it in this world, but they will not make it in eternity because their foundation is not solid. You and I must be wise. We must ask ourselves, what foundation are we building on? Does our life stand on a solid relationship with Jesus and his word, or are we building on pop culture and buying into the false sense of security that it promises? Does our life revolve around work, materialism, status, and personal preferences? Or are we living surrendered to Jesus and being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we may know God and know His will? You cannot have both of those things. If your life is about those things I mentioned. If it's about work, materialism, status, and personal preference, you're building on sand. However, if it is about a surrendered relationship with Jesus and you're being transformed by the renewing of your minds, as Romans twelve two tells us, and you are beginning to know God and to know His will, then you are building on a solid foundation. Church, let me ask you this morning, what's your life being built on? And can I tell you that that you can't have it both ways? I've tried that. I tried riding the fence. I've told you guys this before. The only thing that happens when you ride the fence is you end up with a pain in the rear. Listen, I love you guys. And as believers in Christ, I don't want to see any of you show up in eternity as one who barely makes it through the flames. I don't want to see any of you be ones who are torn because you're trying to live for God and you're trying to live for the world. It does not work. Even Christ says, you cannot have two masters. You'll serve one and despise the other. We must be a people who are wise. And let me tell you, as we close this morning, a genuine Jesus follower is destined to bear fruit and to be wise. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me ask you this morning. When when you take the word of God and you examine your own heart and your own life, are you a genuine follower of Jesus? Are you bearing fruit? Are you being wise with your life? I just want to ask you, nobody looking around, just being real and honest with me, when you truly look into your own heart, is there anyone here this morning who says, you know what, up to this point, I've been building on a sandy foundation. I've been building my life upon something that is eventually going to lead to the destruction of my life. Is there anyone in here who would just be honest to say, that's me? Anyone at all? All right, every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. Is there anyone here this morning that as you've heard the challenge of the Lord, you just declare right in your heart where you are to say, I want to build on the solid foundation of Christ. Is there anyone here this morning that raised their hand to say, that's my life. It's being built on the solid foundation of Christ. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, church, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have, you can look up now. We're going to have a word of prayer and we're going to have a time of worship. And if you're here this morning and you're just saying, you know what, I'm hearing this message and there's some things I'm struggling with, but ultimately I want my life to be grounded in Christ. And maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm passionate about my life being built upon the solid foundation of a relationship with Jesus and God's word. I'm going to be down here praying and just renewing my commitment to God to live a life for him. If you want to join me this morning, I want to invite you to do that. If you're here this morning and maybe there's something that's on your mind and you're just going, you know, I've battled with this and I've battled with this and I've battled with this and, and I know that Christ is a solid foundation, but, but there are things in my life I'm having trouble letting go of and following Him in and maybe you just say, Pastor, I want you to pray with me. When I'm done praying, I'm going to be standing here. Just come grab me and say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I'd love to do that too. But I know that the Spirit is drawing us because the Word says that His Word will not return void. And so after we have this word of prayer, let's stand and worship together. And then if you would like to join me in prayer, just to renew and say, God, I want to live a life grounded in you. Come join me. If you would like prayer for something else, grab me and let's pray together. But I wanna invite you to stand right now. Father, thank you so much for your love and for your grace. Father, I pray your spirit would stir us to be genuine, dedicated disciples of yours. And we lift this up in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If the Lord has blessed you through this message, please feel free to contact us at podcast at PahuskaFBC.org. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes and share us with your friends and family. May the Lord richly bless you as you grow closer to Him. And if you currently are without a church home, we would love to welcome you here at Pahuska's First Baptist Church. God bless.